0: Brought to you by FruitNet Media. This is FruitBox. Hello, welcome to FruitBox, FruitNet's series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. I want these 15 minute conversations, which we now broadcast once a week, every Wednesday to give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. In a recent episode, I talked with our European editors, Mike Knowles and Mara Maxwell. And today I want to go to Asia to speak to our editorial director, Asia, John Hay. John's been following the Asia fresh produce market for the last two decades and knows it inside and out. I spoke to him right at the start of this series of conversations back in uh, in March, April, and now at uh, uh, after episode 40 and six months on, it seems to me the right time to check back in with him. Hi, John. Welcome back to Fruitbox.
1: Hi, Chris. Great to be with you.
0: Now, Mike and Mara got out their crystal ball last uh, week or whenever it was and, and talked about what they think is going to be happening over the next six months i mean the focus there was more on europe um even it's even if nowadays it's kind of almost impossible to look that far ahead in these times of covid when things are changing so fast um almost from one day to the next so get out that crystal ball that you have there uh, and look at asia same question to you what's going to happen uh to asian retail let's start there
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's certainly been uh, a year of uh, momentous change uh, for food retail in Asia, uh, a turning point, if you like. Um, uh, you know, the big trend we've seen in grocery retail worldwide during this pandemic um, is a shift online. And uh, Asia's really been no exception. Uh, when it comes to fresh food purchasing, um, Consumers in in many Asian markets are are fairly traditional in in their habits. Uh, Wet markets and uh, other forms of uh, of physical and traditional retail are still dominant um, in many markets, Uh, but the pandemic has really been a catalyst uh, for change in in shopping behavior. Um, Wet markets uh, have been heavily impacted uh, by COVID restrictions. Uh, like social distancing and uh, shorter operating hours. And uh, some consumers have stayed away from them on hygiene and uh, and food safety fears. Uh, So part of the shift has been um, to modern retail formats uh, like supermarkets. But the the headline trend uh, we've seen um, over these past uh, several months is online and digital channels growing their share of fresh produce sales. I mean, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, China was already blazing a trail in the digitalization of food retail, uh, the integration of online and offline. But COVID has really accelerated the trend uh, there. Mm. Um, home delivery of fresh produce uh, uh, became a new normal for, for Chinese families. and mm. um, Many of them um, have got used to this way of, of buying produce and have stuck to those channels uh, since things have, have got back to normal in China. Um, But I mean, it's not just in China where we've seen e-commerce gain huge momentum. It's been happening in in several markets across the region. Mm. And uh, the lockdowns uh, really underline the importance of uh, online capabilities for all retailers. So what you got is uh, there's many brick and mortar mortar retailers um, across Southeast Asia uh, have been innovating and collaborating to roll out Mm. online and home delivery services. Um, In Indonesia, for instance, some of them have tied up with ride hailing services like Grab and uh, Gojek for for home delivery. And another interesting uh, trend we've seen is the actual fresh produce trade, the growers, the importers and distributors also going online to reach consumers. Uh, They've been adapting, setting up new platforms finding new ways to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a trend I think we'll likely see grow.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, we're all, all online these days, uh, uh, even in, in our day to day work, aren't we? Now, I guess the big trend or the big question here, then is what trends in behaviour will be confined to the to the pandemic? Um, and what will stick over the next six months? What What's your hunch?
1: I mean, there's no doubt um, that some consumers will stick to buying online. Um, they've, uh, you know, that's uh, partly in some cases due to safety, but it's also uh, because of convenience and choice. Um, but at the same time, you know, the surge in online sales uh, that's occurred in several markets during lockdown has really tapered off uh, as restrictions are eased and, and consumers uh, can return to buying more in, in physical retail. Uh, you know, I mentioned China earlier, but people are, are shopping both online uh, and offline, you know, in physical retail now. So, mm. um, But I mean, what's clear moving forward in this pandemic uh, is that uh, it, it's really blurred the line um, even further between physical and online retail across Asia. And it's also given rise to to new hybrid retail models. Um, And um, some of these new retail models and new ways of doing business online are clearly here to to stay. Um, Just on the uh, interesting point on neighborhood stores, we've seen they've become even more important to reaching consumers uh, during lockdowns. And in China, uh, we've seen a new wave of investment in community stores. the mom and pop stores in residential areas. Um, you know, major retailers like Walmart, RT-Mart, and, and Alibaba are moving into that space with small format community stores.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, and you've seen JD has taken a different approach, uh, setting up a franchise for community shops and uh, fruit stores, and, and really using its buying power and high tech solutions uh, to support those mom and pop stores in communities. So, I mean, that move. Um, towards digitalization of traditional community retail formats is a trend uh, we're seeing and we, we, we're going to see um, across the region, we're seeing it in other markets and even, even in India um, where um, you've got neighborhood Karana stores getting support from Reliance's e-commerce platform Reliance Geo. So this is going to be a trend to watch and uh, it's a trend we'll be looking at more closely during Asia Food Congress this year.
0: And I think it's going to be fascinating to see whether that trend um, comes from Asia into Europe and North America. It's always been kind of traffic that's gone the other way uh, into Asia. And and now it's coming back uh, with new and very innovative forms of of, uh, retail, as you've explained. Now, you've mentioned China right from the word go. China continues to have a huge impact on the market in Asia. I mean, that's, uh, that's a no brainer, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, China is certainly um, the, the main, it remains the main game in town, uh, the market that so many uh, are pinning their hopes on for premium fruit. Uh, and there are positive signs of uh, of demand uh, rebounding there, although it's been, you know, a difficult first half of the year, it has to be said. Um, um, you know, China's been doing a good job of uh, containing the virus and, and life appears to have returned to normal there in many ways. Uh, Kids are back at school, uh, people are eating out in restaurants together, Mm. Uh, traffic jams have returned, Uh, (laughs) even cinemas have uh, reopened. reopened, Um, So uh, we also saw retail sales rose in August for the first time this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of eyes will be on uh, the national holiday uh, this week, because if that produces... uh, strong sales data there's there's more reason to be optimistic about about the chinese economy and and consumption levels Mm -hmm. um just talking specifically about fresh produce sales there was a um, huge disruption to logistics and the economy when china first went uh, into lockdown back in january and um, you know the sales volumes and prices were badly affected for a few months Um, Mm -hmm. the onset of the pandemic also put some uh, pressure on sales of uh, higher value premium fruits as, as people uh, became uh, more value conscious. But more recently, the signs have been uh, fairly positive. Uh, I mean, the market has been okay. Uh, demand for high quality produce has remained strong. And, and you know, we see that this there's always a demand for, for quality. So mm-hmm. as long as the suppliers uh, can deliver the right quality, um, they should uh, get satisfactory returns, even if uh, those returns Aren't as spectacular as they have been in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I, that that sounds extremely encouraging about the uh, about China's rebound. But but are there any clouds on the horizon? Do you see any?
1: I wouldn't really say any major clouds on the horizon, but there are definitely um, some issues um, to to be mindful of in China. You know, trends that we've really uh, noticed uh, during the the, the pandemic. Um, you know imported fruits have, have definitely faced uh, some pressure uh, and disruption in in china since the the pandemic uh, trade has has become more difficult and uh and more political difficult because of of logistics and also because importers can no longer travel the world to visit their growers mm. or see the crops they're buying. And, and of course, global suppliers can't visit the market either. So you're in this situation of a kind of blind trading, which has uh, tested trust um, between uh, parties and, and made buyers, uh, I guess, more cautious. Uh, we've definitely noticed some wholesalers turning to sourcing more domestically grown and, and regional product as a result mm. of this. And, uh, you know, trade's become more political too as, as the pandemic has as, uh, further complicated international relations. Uh, we've seen uh, trade tensions triggered or amplified by it between China and, and key trading partners. Mm. And, you know, we've seen um, new testing measures for imported food implemented uh, in China after the COVID-19 outbreak um, in in uh, Simfadi market in Beijing back in uh, May, June, and, and certain countries um, saw, saw their products um, you know, singled out for, for greater scrutiny. So that's uh, something to be mindful of. And uh, you know, on top of this, as I mentioned before, competition from domestically grown fruits has, uh, has increased in China. Uh, as the government and consumers both get behind uh, the Chinese farmers, and, and we've seen producers and suppliers of domestically grown fruits competing for a share of that premium end market traditionally uh, dominated by, by imported fruits.
0: Now, let, let's look at uh, products then. Um, you've done some research recently which shows a big growth in trade from Southeast Asia into China, products like durian dragon fruit and so on. Is that displacing sales of temperate fruits like apples and citrus and so on? Well, oh, I think it's worth putting uh, this growth
1: into perspective because uh, you know, China imported nearly 6 million tonnes of fruit last year. Um, mm. and, and these tropical fruits, which, which mainly come uh, you know, from Southeast Asia, the vast majority, they made up more than 75% of, uh, oh. of that volume. Um, and uh, the tropical fruit imports have been increasing at annual rates of uh, 10% over the, the past decade. Mm. And, and you know, it's interesting that that growth has also continued during the pandemic. You know, China's consumption figures for the first eight months of this year uh, show that China ramped up imports of durian from Thailand and dragon fruit uh, from, from Vietnam. Um, I wouldn't say these uh, tropical fruits uh, are displacing sales of temperate fruits. Um, Imports of temperate fruits have uh, actually been increasing at a faster rate over the past decade, uh, 18% uh, per year. And there's been particularly strong growth for counter seasonal southern hemisphere suppliers, uh, Latin America, Australasia and other regions. And I think we can expect to see demand continue to grow strongly for those temperate fruits, uh, particularly uh, the counter seasonal product periods of the year when China itself cannot supply those uh, temperate fruits. Mm.
0: Now let, let's look at uh, Southeast Asia. We've talked a lot about China. In Southeast Asia, what, what's happening? Are we seeing a recovery in sales?
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing a recovery uh, in sales in, in most markets across Southeast Asia. Um, you know, key markets like Vietnam and Thailand have been uh, really handling the COVID crisis very well. Um, you know, for instance, the Thai, the Thai government's uh, hardline approach with a, a three-month lockdown uh, was highlighted by the UN as a, as a prime example of how to to manage the virus and prevent a second outbreak. Mm. And dur- during lockdown, March, April, May, um, the fresh produce sales in Thailand did suffer, particularly in wholesale channels, but also in retail. And there are also significant uh, you know, logistical disruptions to supplying fruit with lack of air freight and, uh, mm. and labor shortages uh, faced by suppliers and so on. But since uh, June, things have begun to, to really pick up and return to normal. Uh, and it's a similar situation in, in Vietnam and Malaysia. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's also worth pointing out in some markets, you know, sales of imported fruits are, are down for reasons that have nothing to do with the pandemic. Uh, for instance, Indonesia was, uh, was doing really well last uh, in, in um, 2019 in terms of uh, its in, fresh fruit imports were coming back strongly. But then this year they're down 50% the first eight months of this year. And that's uh, solely to do uh, with problems and delays with the release of import licenses by, by the Indian Indian government. Uh, similarly, um, you know, there's been issues in Thailand and um, changes to their import protocol for pesticide residues back in July, mm. and that caused a lot of uncertainty and increased risk for suppliers and disrupted trade. Mm. Um, but you know, trade issues aside, the consumption trends are, are really encouraging. Um, you know, demand for fresh produce has increased uh, across a number of those markets. Uh, we hear, that, you know, and see that consumers are focusing more on Health and wellness, mm. uh, and on boosting their immunity. Um, and you know, th- th- there's been problems with uh, disruption to distribution channels like wholesale markets, which has mm. impacted. But overall, the the outlook from here, on am in, um, is pretty positive. Um, you know, and uh, once install promotions and samplings uh, can be, you know, um, ramp up again, that that will also be a real positive because. You know, not being able to to do them um, properly um, during lockdowns and so on there, uh, has an impact on on you know they're they're very important those kind of activities to introducing new products, to driving sales, to to um, getting that impulse for purchasing going.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating stuff. Now, John, in this uh, whistle stop tour of of Asia, let's go to North Asia uh, and and talk. Briefly about Japan and Korea. What are the big trends here, in, in your opinion?
1: Well, Korea. Um, again, we mentioned Thailand earlier. Um, Korea has also been handling the COVID crisis well, and it's uh, you know received gr- global praise for the mm-hmm. way it flattened the the curve so dramatically early on. Mm-hmm. Um, e commerce, um, you know, was already pretty well established in Korea for grocery, uh, and it's uh, seen a surge in sales. Now, the offline, you know, your physical retail still remains bigger for fresh produce, but we have seen a lot of activity from existing e-commerce players, uh, the you know, conventional retailers Mm -hmm. and the actual fresh produce uh, companies, importers, distributors, suppliers to respond to that shift in consumer behavior to buy online, which has Mm -hmm. been an interesting trend. Um, The positives on the fresh produce trade side in Korea has been, uh, you know, the continued opening of this market to to new suppliers and uh, diversification of sourcing. Um, Colombian bananas have have made a big foray into the market this year on the back of the free trade agreement they have with Korea. Uh, We've seen Peruvian avocados and Turkish cherries debuting on retail shelves. And Korea only the past week uh, announced it was opening to Chilean avocados, and we also expect uh, mainland Australian cherries to be making their debut on retail shelves there this year. So that's all very positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Turning to Japan, I mean, despite all the upheaval COVID's caused in Japan, Mm -hmm. the the fresh produce trade there uh, has been pretty stable. Uh, There's been a slight growth in imports for for the first eight months of the year um most products have, have been holding up well with a few exceptions um, we saw a big dip in uh, sales of lemons and that was more to do with uh, the downturn in the food surface sector mm. on the flip side you know we see products like kiwi fruit and avocados are, are continuing to do very well in japan
0: mm. now um you, you me and the and the rest of the world were supposed to be at asia fruit logistica and asia fruit congress in singapore uh this uh, this year but covid has is- kind of put paid to that there was a live launch uh last week uh, of the new digital digital platform asia fruit logistica on and asia fruit congress on you you've put together the program for the asia Fruit Congress um, for many years so what what can we expect this year what what have you got in store for us
1: Well, we're going to be live streaming um, Asia Fruit Congress uh, for the first time. And this will be on the 17th of November. Uh, And for the first time, another first in the 20 year history of the event, uh, Asia Fruit Congress is uh, free to attend this year for for all Asia Fruit Logistica visitors. Mm -hmm. Um, The conference uh, takes uh, place one day ahead of Asia Fruit Logistica, as always, and and we'll set the scene uh, for the new digital format of Asia Fruit Logistica. And uh, we, we've got a high-powered program for Asia Congress lined up to, to really prime companies uh, for the new market opportunities and uh, challenges post-COVID. There's been, as we've been hearing, so much going on in the market. And we're hosting five sessions of uh, first-rate insight uh, about how the market has changed, where it's going next, and, and how to do better business in Asia. And of course, uh, with our own move to go digital this year, um, Asia Food Congress uh, kicks off with a look at how Asia's uh, fresh produce business is going digital in 2020. Mm. Uh, we're gonna be looking at everything from uh, digitalization of fresh food retail in Asia, as we were talking about earlier, uh, to the emerging role of uh, blockchain in terms of uh, you know, more transparent supply chain and so on. Mm. Technology is also gonna be high on the agenda Feeding urban Asia um, is a growing challenge, and we'll be looking at innovations in sustainable farming from vertical farming to, to heat resistant varieties. Mm-hmm. And as mentioned earlier, uh, shopper behavior and consumer attitudes have shifted uh, across uh, the Asia during uh, the pandemic. And we'll have top uh, consumer ha- analysts on hand to explain just how and what that all means for, for fresh produce marketers. We'll also uh, wrap up by zooming in on the big trends in Asia's fresh produce trade post-pandemic, uh, the key shifts in imports and sourcing. And we'll look at the new market opportunities are in Asia for, for 2021.
0: Mm. And and uh, information about uh, the Asia Fruit Congress is always available on the website asiafruitcongress.com. And interestingly, um, one can, well, view, one, one, one needs to attend on that day, the 17th, but then uh, the proceedings will be available, I think, to view on the platform uh, uh, of Asia Fruit Logistica on for the course of several days. So you can uh, watch uh, as many times as you want.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Every morning uh, we'll kick off uh, with with highlights from Asia Fruit Congress on during Asia Fruit Logistica and all the sessions will be available to view on demand for those who can't join in the Asia time zone.
0: Yeah, now you're keeping busy between now and then uh, in November. Um, uh, There's a series of events this month in October and the beginning of next called Asia Briefing. Tell us a bit about those, John.
1: Yeah, ahead of uh, Asia Fruit Logistica on, uh, FruitNet is hosting Asia Briefing. Uh, It's a brand new series of uh, weekly market updates uh, we're putting together to to prime companies uh, and attendees for the event and provide the lowdown on what's hot in Asia at the moment. Um, our first Asia Briefing uh, broadcast this week, and we'll be hosting five more weekly episodes. They're hosted uh, by Fruitbox's own Chris White from, from our your, new broadcast your, studio yours in London. truly. <laughs> <laughs> Together with our Fruitnet team of uh, editors and analysts. And uh, we're joined for online interviews and analysis by uh, leading players in the fresh produce business all over the world. Mm. Um, the Asia Briefing episodes are free to join from the Asia Food Logistica on platform mm. and our audience uh, are able to ask questions of our, of our headline speakers uh, on, on a live chat function during uh, the broadcasts. Um, Asia Briefing is going to focus um, on some of the hottest topics uh, and fresh produce categories uh, in Asia today. Our first one uh, looked at uh, Asia's booming market for cherries. Mm. Our second episode is all about the growth of of European apples in Asia, um, where they're starting to see, you know, make bigger inroads with club varieties and so on. Later in the schedule, we'll be looking at marketing to China post-pandemic and the future of the burgeoning avocado market in Asia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All this plus uh, we're hosting a couple of shorter episodes on uh, technology and logistics where we interview the chairs of the online hall forums at Asia Fruit Logistica, uh, Smart Horticulture Asia and uh, Cool Logistics Asia.
0: Well, it's uh, a very busy uh, few weeks as always for you, John. Um, Thank you very much indeed for joining us today on Fruitbox. That's all we've got time for. I was joined down the line by John Hay, our editorial director, Asia, uh, based in Melbourne in Australia. John, thanks for coming back on Fruitbox today. Thanks, Chris. Now, you can find today's conversation with John and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. We've got more great guests coming on the programme in the next few weeks, so keep listening in. And if you've got any ideas of what you'd like me to talk about on Fruitbox, or even if you'd like to feature in a future episode, then do get in touch. You can email me uh, at chris at fruitnet.com. As I always say, Fruitbox is getting loads of listens every week, they keep on growing. So look out for us on LinkedIn, where I'm posting every episode every week. And the interviews are getting lots of likes, comments, and and shares. We've also had our first sponsored episodes of Fruitbox. So if you'd like to put your name out there to all our listeners by becoming a supporter of Fruitbox, then too, do please get in touch. So that was Fruitbox. And this is Chris White. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FruitNet Live. And don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com.